0: You are now listening to the Do Something Good Today podcast, brought to you by Everybody's Juice, a podcast reminding you to do something good today for your body, mind, or soul. Are you having trouble sleeping, fatigue, and low energy getting the best of you every day? From time to time, it's good to give your body a rest from the stresses of everyday life. We can't control everything, but we can control what we put in our mouths. You might want to try a juice cleanse from everybody's juice. Offering three, five and seven day juice cleanses with organic fruit and vegetables. A cleanse from everybody's juice is a good way to give your digestive system a break so your body can heal and repair itself quickly. Feed yourself pure nutrition that your body can absorb immediately. Help your liver and kidneys detoxify your body. Give your body what it needs to slim down and have more energy. Participating in a cleanse helps you break old bad food habits. Such as eating out of boredom, eating too much junk food, etc. By going on a juice cleanse, you give yourself the opportunity to start fresh and reset your body. All our cleanses come with a guide that prepares you before, during, and after the cleanse. If it's your first time, we know that the thought of a cleanse can be a little intimidating. Our cleanse program is designed so that the during, is just as enjoyable as the after. Each juice in our cleanse is specifically created to nourish the body while flushing out toxins. Whether you are a newbie, amateur, or pro, give it a try and your body will love you for it. Go to everybodysjuice.com and use code EJUICE20 to take $20 off your first juice cleanse.
1: So will you always this? We are back with another episode of the Do Something Good Today podcast, brought to you by Everybody's Juice. Today we have a very good episode in store. Today we're joined by vegan chef Dustin Harder, who's been touring the United States for quite some time uh, promoting the Universal Meals program in conjunction with nonprofit organization which is located here in DC, the Physicians Committee Committee. I'm sorry, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. This program is offering vegan meals and tips on how to get schools and prisons and hospitals trained on vegan nutrition. Dustin is also the host of vegan cooking series, The Vegan Roadie. And of course, you all know that you know plant-based nutrition is near and dear to my heart. I'm a vegan. Um, it's done wonders for my life. So this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Dustin, thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you.
1: Absolutely. Likewise. So let's get right into it, man. Tell us about your vegan journey and why you made the jump from eating the standard American diet to moving forward to a plant-based diet.
2: Sure. And when you say standard American diet, let me tell you, I was doing just that. We're talking pizzas, burgers, mac and cheese. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up on all that stuff. And I, so I've been vegan almost, I think like 13 years now. So it was around 2008, 2009. And I initially did it, uh, my background is in theater, so I was in entertainment, and I was being very conscious about, or trying to be conscious about my weight, and sort of how to maintain a healthy weight, um, because it was casting, right? Like, how do I get cast? And so I was just trying, it was all vanity to begin, like, and then as I started to explore it more, I lost a little weight, which was fine, but my sleep got better, my skin started to glow, I got better sleep all of these things just started to snowball. And then I started thinking about animals and the environment and it all just sort of came together for me. Now I would say it's animals first and health second, just because (laughs) animals, I mean, I can't help it. I'm in love with them. Um, But then, you know, I mean, I guess animals and health, maybe it's right there together. I don't know, because obviously my health and other people's health is just as important as animals to me. So uh, and then the environment's right there. So we have all these beautiful things working together now simply from eating plants. So
1: what was your process? Because when getting people to try to transition over to a plant-based diet, they call it rabbit food. And, you know, that's not enough food for me. I I don't I'm not going to feel after eating just broccoli and kale and Brussels sprouts? Like, what was your process of learning how to cook great vegan food?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I came at it in a time when blogs were really starting to push material out. Uh, Cookbooks weren't quite as uh, uh, popular. Vegan cookbooks weren't quite as popular then as they are now, though I will say... I was getting my hands on some amazing cookbooks even back then. But now we have such a wealth of them, right? So for me, it really started with easy swaps. Uh, instead of eating a burger, I remember I would get like a frozen black bean burger or something. Instead of, uh, you know, have filling up on French fries or tater tots from the frozen section, I would try and get pre-chopped vegetables. Now I chop vegetables all the time. But back then, the last thing mm-hmm. I wanted to do was be bothered with chopping vegetables. So I tried to make things as easy as possible for myself. Uh, That was really sort of the best approach for me because if I did it all at once, and I remember too, actually, back then, um, I would get sort of, um, you know, there's like, I like to call them the vegan police out there. They wanna tell you you're doing everything wrong and you should be doing it this way. And, oh, that's not right. Do this milk instead of that milk and eat this instead of that. And I say, if you're making any choice to sort of take animals off the plate and eat a healthier diet, Whether it's a meatless Monday for you and the rest of the week is as it was, hopefully then that meatless Monday then turns into a taco meatless Tuesday or something, you know? But that's how it was for me. It was sort of a gradual approach until before I knew it, I was eating all vegan.
1: So did you have like a community? Because I know a lot of people when, you know, transitioning, that's usually like a journey that's traveled by yourself. It's not too many people that, you know, you decide, hey, let's all start eating more plant-based, right? At least for me, it was that way. Like, I'm still, to this day, I've been a vegan for, like, four years now. And, like, it's still, like, I'm literally, like, the only one of my friends that... Really? Yeah. So, it's like, they... All... Are
2: they interested with you, at least? Are some of them sort of intrigued by
1: it? I mean, they're starting to pick up on it now because, you know, I've been in the industry for so long. So, like, yeah. they, they, you know, they have no choice. This is my lifestyle. So, I'm talking about it when I'm around them and things like that. But it's still like baby steps, you know? So
2: yeah. yeah. Well, and you, you talk about that too, and I remember too, a biggest part of it, I'll, I'll get back to the community, but I do want to say another part of it for me was, I was so scared I wasn't gonna be able to have those things I talked about, burgers, mac and cheese, pizza. I found new ways to have them that were maybe not the healthiest vegan option at first, but it was still a vegan option. So it was right. healthier than what I was eating before. So that goes back to me taking sort of baby steps, like replacing the things I love with a vegan version. Again, whether or not it was the healthiest vegan version at the time didn't really matter to me because it was still healthier, most likely, than what I was doing before. So it was still a step in the right direction. But when we talk about community, I was fortunate enough, it didn't happen right away, but around like 2012, there was a group of people that I just knew in the theater community and we would gather once a month and have like a vegan potluck. And at the time we considered ourselves pretty much the weirdos, right? So we're like, okay, once a month, the weirdos are going to get together and gush over like what we made for each other. And I remember it went one step further. Like one month we were like, let's do an all raw potluck, right? And like, that was the weirdest one of all. I remember I made a pie crust and a friend still makes fun of me that basically turned into like a pudding because it was raw and I had no idea what I was doing. I would like to think I got a, a little better at it. But I did eventually sort of find a community of people, especially at this time, where we were, and and it has influenced me to this day because we were just so excited about it and sharing it with each other. And there's great things like meetup groups and stuff like that to find now who sort of are in that same line of things, I think. So there's ways to find it.
1: Yeah, because it's all, I mean, at least for me, it was like, you know, your friends were kind of, my my friends were kind of like discouraging. It's almost like, you know, you're going to lose weight You know, you're not going to be able to keep your weight up. And people have to understand when eating a plant-based diet, you're literally just substituting vegetables for meat. So it's just nothing to just add more vegetables on to substitute for the calories that you're losing from like chicken, lamb or things like that. Like, I mean, for me, I feel like plant-based eating is so much easier than cooking uh, animal-based products. At least for me, it is.
2: Truly, you don't have to worry about you're cooking that chicken and meat and all that. You're worrying about temperatures and cooking it all the way through. You don't have to worry about any of that here, which is one of the parts that I've always loved about it. And there's things like when we talk about the calories and maintaining weight, there's so many healthy fats in the plant-based world. You know, you've got avocados, nuts, seeds, all these beautiful fats that actually serve a nutrient purpose, right? So there's such a beautiful side to eating plant-based, you know, So many beautiful sides. But this is one of them. Like when we're talking about maintaining a weight or keeping weight up, it's easy to do. (laughs) Trust (laughs) believe. I'm like, how do I maintain in a good place? Because there's so many wonderful things to eat, right?
1: Exactly. And then like when you start telling friends that you made mac and cheese or the cheese sauce from mac and cheese out of like boiled carrots and potatoes and cashews. I don't want to eat mac and cheese that has uh, potatoes or carrots in it. But it's like, once you taste it, you won't even be able to know
2: and hopefully sometimes they taste it and they say my favorite one is when they say gosh i didn't even know but also i feel like i don't feel gross like i do when i eat traditional mac and cheese i feel good i feel light i feel you know like i could have another helping perhaps you know because it is a bunch of vegetables mixed with pasta essentially
1: So let's get into this. So how did you develop your recipes? Because you have quite a few cookbooks out. I mean, you have three. So and this is over an extended period of time over the last three years. So what was your process of developing these recipes for each cookbook? Yeah,
2: Um, it's been different for all of the books. Uh, So I've got three out Simply Vegan Cookbook, Epic Vegan, and Epic Vegan Quick and Easy. And when I first started, Um, I had a goal with that first book to sort of keep it under 10 ingredients and under 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that influenced that book a lot. Right. And, and that book's cool because it has 150 recipes with two variations on each. So then we've got 450 recipes, right? Enough to keep you going through the entire year. But then as they were whole food plant-based for the most part in the recipe, in the ingredient category, in the variations, sometimes we would throw in a vegan sausage or something for somebody who's still maybe making that transition. So that book's really great for everyone across the board, but that made the uh, testing process a little more fun too, because I was pulling on different sort of categories in the the whole food plant-based and vegan world. Um, And then Epic Vegan was this monster of a book creating all of these combinations of stump foods together. Um, And that development came a lot from, well, what's popular and what's sort of out of the box, right? And that one had me up at night a lot, writing on the whiteboard and like running out of bed going, oh, this idea, I'm gonna put this on this burger and do this thing. Um, And then this last one was one pot, uh, Epic Vegan Quick and Easy was one pot and uh, sheet pan meals, essentially. So then it was the development sort of got centered around, well, what can I toss together on a sheet pan that's going to be done in 30 minutes and feed my family or feed a busy family or just feed someone who's coming home from work and maybe they want a meal prep for the next three days? What's going to make that easy? So the process sort of has always to develop always goes around the project, right? But I I do have a really awesome dedicated group of recipe testers that have been with me on most of those projects. And that's sort of where the work really comes into the development because they bring their own flair and taste into it and give me a lot of great feedback and honest feedback. And we sort of adjust it from there, but that's really, um, how the development process, when it really starts to take off. And for universal meals, this program with the physicians committee for responsible medicine That's most interesting because it's void of the top nine allergens, right? So it's looking, a lot of it I looked at recipes I'd already done previously and said, well, how do we make this yummy and also void of the top nine allergens so almost anyone can enjoy it. So now that I've been in it for some time, I'm not usually, it depends on what I'm making, but a lot of the times I'm not starting from scratch. I'm building off of techniques and basics that I've already sort of built throughout the years now.
1: And can, and for the people who are listening, can you explain what the top nine allergens are? In, yes, in let's see if market. I
2: can get them. So I'm not looking at a cheat sheet here. We got milk, eggs, shellfish, fish, tree nuts, peanuts, soy, wheat, I'm missing, and sesame. There we go, nine. Right there.
1: Yeah. So, and, the, and these products are put in our foods for what particular reason? Are, are they served as fillers? Are they served as, you know, additional sweeteners? Can you explain why these foods are put in a lot of foods that we consume
2: today? Yeah, I mean, for a lot of them, I think it's the misconception of their health benefits, right, and their health properties. Dairy, so eggs and, and milk, that's going to be those. And fish and shellfish, I would say the same thing. Uh... The, mis- the, the, the misconception of what those he- what those potential health benefits are, right? So those have been put into a lot of our foods. Uh, soy is used all over, right? And that's often used to flesh things out or create a sort of uh, abundant, satiating texture with it for, for lots of different reasons. It's in a lot of items. Um, and, and sometimes an emulsifier even, you know, it's just really, you really have to look at your products for soy. That one can be a hard one to catch. Um, and then we get down to things like nuts and, um, you know, sesame, those items, sesame, I don't see it used a ton, but there's things like hummus that has tahini in it. Right. And that's not something people usually think of if they're not familiar with tahini is and they're used to eating hummus and they may be going, gosh, I don't feel well. What is that? It might actually be the tahini that's in there. And there's lots of tahini free hummuses on the market. And of course we have one now at universalmeals.org that people can get, but, um, and then tree nuts and peanuts. I think those have just been used widely for various reasons. And I know for myself, I use cashews a ton in vegan cooking. Um, as a base. As a base. Yeah. Usually to make sauces with like a creamy, luxurious, decadent sauce I'll make. Right. Cause you could have that nice velvety texture with it. Um, so what I found with our recipes in universal to get that a lot of times I'll use, um, Ro- uh, sorry, unroasted, raw, no salt, uh, okay. sunflower seeds. Or I'll use uh, maybe some white beans to get that texture as well. So it all depends on what vegetables you're mixing it with to make the sauce, but sometimes those items do the trick. So yeah, lots of different reasons those things get used, sometimes for no reason at all. As we know, I'm can't. i I'm sure, have you looked at products and you see like milk powder on there? And you're like, why is milk powder in this? If we would just right. take this out, it would be vegan. <laughs>
1: So, I want to talk about the Universal Meals Program, right? So, you're the Culinary Specialist for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and you all are partnered together with a few organizations around the country to get this program up and running, to create a more equitable opportunity and a more adaptable opportunity for people who would normally have access to healthy vegan options. You're bringing it straight to them. So, how did you get involved in this program?
2: Yeah, so I've worked with Physicians Committee on and off for probably the last five years or so, done some great tastings with them in New York uh, and then for hospital food, for hospital buyers, and then I, I worked on their thrifty program, which is actually in our Universal Meals program, which is recipes uh, that are a dollar or less per serving, and then eventually I started working with them full-time as their culinary specialist, and we have started really pushing this program and expanding it so the hope is that we can get these universal meals uh recipes and for everyone listening again void of the top nine allergens is the coolest part i always repeat it because we keep talking about it and people always be like well wait what was universal meals because we're talking about so much food right mm-hmm. so void of the top nine allergens how do we get that to everyone how and so we're we're trying to Go around the country, do pop-ups at universities because a lot of universities have allergy sections already, right? They'll have a special uh, area that's dedicated to allergies, but they won't have a vegan option or they'll have just like one vegan option that they always have or something. So we're trying to expand that in the allergy section in the hospital arena, we're trying to work with hospitals and get these recipes to really align with their dietary needs, whether it's low carb, heart healthy, renal diets, whatever that is. So, that requires some sort of specific modifications. Uh, so, that's the other thing, too. We've created these recipes and then we're modifying them as we go along to sort of uh, reach the parameters that we need to for different institutions. Um, but we'll keep, we'll, we'll really use these anywhere we can. And the idea is not just that they're, um, Void of the top nine allergens, but they're also restaurant quality, super delicious, right? So that's what we're trying to uh, promote with this program as well.
1: And I love it because, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, schools, prisons, um, hospitals, I mean, people are spending, unfortunately, prisons, I mean, the people are spending majority of their time there. So it's just like, you know, wherever you spend majority of your time, there, you're going to consume a lot. So the foods have been unhealthy for a long time in those three locations. I mean, especially in school, like- I I mean, I I was able to, fortunate enough to take my lunch. My mom packed a good lunch for me. But thinking about 20 years ago when I was in grade school and I had a cousin who just graduated from high school and, you know, I I went to her school earlier this year and I'm in the cafeteria and it's like nothing has changed. Nothing has changed for 20 years. Like it's still like square pizzas, the little uh, plastic cup of fruit that's in high fructose corn syrup, like, the, the milk, like, it's, like, nothing has changed at all. And I I was in a hospital, my grandmother was in a hospital for quite some time, a couple years ago, and I'm just looking at the food that they serving her, and it's just like, this is trash, this is complete garbage. But yeah. I can't go against yeah. that, because yeah. I don't want to overstep what they're doing, like, but it's, it's just, nothing has changed, and, our, and I think our food pyramid needs to be flipped, honestly, because it's been the yeah. same for... Yeah. As long as I can remember, I'm only thirty years old, but I can remember like being four or five years old, looking at the full pyramid and seeing how breads and pastas and grains yeah. are what should we should yeah. be consuming the most. And it's just like that's not true. It's just not yep. true. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's it's overwhelming, right? With especially the hospital menu. You look at that. Someone who just had a heart attack, what they have available for them to eat in the hospital after is so disappointing. And that's one of the things we work on. We work on healthy hospital food, not just with universal meals. But we have so many people dedicated on our staff that are working in different hospitals to educate the staff, educate nurses, educate doctors on whole food, healthy eating. Um, because we look at those menus and it's just disappointing. Like it's a disservice completely. It's it's not even putting a Band-Aid on the situation after a heart attack. It's saying, you just had a heart attack? Well, there's a burger on the menu you can have. Like what sort of message does that send, right? So then we also talk about, while we're trying to talk to staff at hospitals, we're also trying to talk about the next step. Well, how do we educate the patient who just came in and had a heart attack? And how do we talk to nurses so that they can better educate the, um, patients before they're leaving the hospital. Right. Uh, so that's a big component of of it. There's so much work to be done, but people really are paying attention now. Um, and if they're not paying attention, it's, it's almost like they're stubbornly not paying attention, you know? So like, I feel like that's going to start to work its way out as well because so many people are just, especially people in hospitals are understanding the benefits and they're seeing it. Right. And even if they're not immersed in it or they're not, applying it in their own lives they're understanding like oh i can't recommend this burger to this person who just was in for their heart like that's not right you know so they're starting to uh add that all up for themselves and hopefully they'll start to take action because that's what we need we're here to help everyone in the the health workforce who wants to take action we want to give them the tools you know
1: so i want to i want to find out like like you've been in this field for quite some time now, approaching close to 15 years, right? And so, when we look at plant-based eating, there's always been a pushback, and people will, when you're trying to introduce this diet to someone, they really have a negative connotation. I mean, still with all the information that's being presented about you know eating a plant-forward diet, there's still a ton of pushback, right? And then people will have certain diseases and ailments for example diabetes 2 they'll just say oh I'm just predisposed to it because it just runs in my family but broadly speaking our genes only control about 20 percent of our health fate, meaning that the other 80 percent of our health is made up of our environment and that consists of our diet that consists of you know our stress levels you know getting enough sleep you know our little environment like what surrounds us like do we live in high pollutant areas you know are we getting enough sunlight you know all these things make up our health so when this type of information is presented you know the feeling flips from being disempowered to empowered so now you have you know autonomy over your health so still with all this information presented why do you think it's still difficult to get people to move towards not even you know being a full vegan or you know a full plant-based eater but just moving towards a more plant-forward diet
2: yeah you know we're in a a country that's very divided right now and there's a part of that I think is, uh, and, and I, I relate that to food to say that I, I, mm-hmm. I feel that exists in the food world too, right? Because I think the portion that is resistant, the population that is resistant to a, the health benefits of a plant-based diet, it's sort of out of fear, fear of the unknown, I feel like. And also almost th- they feel something's going to be taken away from them, right? As opposed to seeing the giant gift they're being given by a bountiful Healthful, nutrient, plant based diet. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, that's the biggest holdup. Like that, a lot of people feel, oh, you're going to take away my burger. You're going to take away my steak. You're going to take away, and they don't see it right. instead as, oh, you're giving me the gift of life. Like you're giving me, you're adding time back onto my life. If, if we do this now, we're going to add some time yeah. back onto my life, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Hopefully. <laughs> fingers crossed i'm not a doctor so no promises of course right but like that's the hope right that we're healthier and we eat these these nutrient nutrition nutritional items and we're going to feel better
1: yeah absolutely i agree so there's two more questions before we wrap up first sure. i want to know what was your first vegan meal like that first like when you decided okay i'm i'm going to you know i'm taking the leap and bound and i'm going to eat my first full vegan meal no type of dairy product at all. No vegetarian meal. Just like a full plant-based meal. What was your first plant-based meal?
2: So I'm going to have to say, because it's sticking in my memory, it might be those like black bean burgers we spoke of. But when I think about like a recipe that I actually made, the first thing I was trying to replicate, and it's exactly what we spoke spoken before, was that mac and cheese. I wanted to have it in my life. I couldn't imagine my life without it. So I remember my <laughs> first food was... You know, Vegan Comfort Food by Alicia Simpson. And it had all of those, because that's what I was scared I was going to lose. So that's the first book I gravitated towards. And there is a, it's the basic cheese sauce recipe. So it's the carrots and the potatoes and all of that. And I remember I loved it for years. And and I still love it. I, I just eventually created different versions, you know?
1: Yeah, me too, man. I just, I love mac and cheese growing up. Yeah. Man. Like I had to have that. Like I had to find a way to make it plant based because that's something that was like a non-negotiable. It was no way I was giving up my and cheese. I agree.
2: Cheese. I agree. Pizza was my second one, and I'll tell you now. Well, I can use the vegan cheeses and everything. I love a homemade vegan pizza with just like vegetables and sauce on it. It yeah. makes me so happy.
1: Me too. Me too. I'm a big pizza fan. I love cheese, and I don't know what what it is about. It's an adder. It's it's something that makes you yeah. addictive to cheese because. Still to this day, like I have to have some type of cheese, whether it's like on my black bean burger or mac and cheese, like I have to have it because it's just. Hey, there's
2: options for you now. There's a great book out by Dr. Barnard called The Cheese Trap that you should check out.
1: Okay, I gotta, I gotta add that to my list. Okay, so last question before we wrap up: What do you think is the future of vegan food? Because right now I feel like we're seeing like an expansion of so much, right? I mean, think about meat products and alternatives to what we have now like i want to say beyond meat came out about what four years ago five years ago and now like we have like mock ribs now which is craziest thing i've ever seen like you there's a company i just saw like on veg news a couple days ago like they literally make like mock pork ribs i would have never thought i would have seen that
2: before right yeah i think that we're headed in a beautiful place i think it's a (laughs) An interesting time, though, you have companies who have made money off of meat for years and who will continue to make money off of the meat industry now investing in the vegan industry mm-hmm. because they want to make money, right? So you have this weird world where it is all about the money. But we we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that while they're after it for money, they are also releasing products into the world that are going to change people's minds, right? So that money may shift they may start making more of their money from the vegan products and and if that's the magic that's working for those big companies in order for us to see some change fine but there is change happening on a smaller level right like we are people are cooking more people are enjoying a whole food plant-based diet more so while we're seeing these fast food chains open up that have full offerings of plant-based items. I think that's going to continue to happen because of supply and demand. People are asking for it. They clearly want it. So we're going to see more fast, casual, vegan chain restaurants. And then we're also going to see more people enjoying whole food plant-based. People are really getting into it. And it's just, I think of this in 2014 or so is when I really dug into all of this. And the expansion that we've had since then, so that's eight years, is just mind-blowing. Like from where we were then to where we are now. So then in another eight years, it's just getting another step further from that. I think everyone's gonna be eating plant-based eventually. And if they're not, I think they're gonna be meeting eating minimal not plant-based diet. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be doing mostly plant-based and, and just a little not. But I do think we're we're headed to a world where it's finally happening and people are really, really it's also because it's gonna be available to them. And that's when we talk about the big companies and all of that, right? So it's like it's a hard, hard topic, mm-hmm. that specific topic, but it is making it accessible to people who might not otherwise have it available to mm-hmm. them. So we are getting to a place where it's accessible, it's affordable, and I think we're going to see a lot more people being plant based in the future as we continue continue to roll along.
1: And that's what the Universal Mills program is all about. About expanding Absolutely. education, expanding access to. You know, healthy, quality nutritious foods that can expand and give us longevity.
2: yeah, we like to think with universal meals, we're creating a seat for everyone at the table.
1: Yes, I agree, and I love it. So thank you again. Can you give any type of information, any virtual events that you have going on anything that you have a uh, pop up with you know universal meals program? because I know you all are still torn, right?
2: Yeah, so yes. we've got a big Universal Meals tour coming this fall. We're going to hit up University of Miami, University of North Carolina, or North, Car- North Carolina State University, uh, Washington State University. Oh, gosh. University, uh, uh, Emory University Hospital, Georgia State College. And I feel like we have something else in the works as well. Uh, we've got some other dates coming up but you can find everything at universalmeals.org all of the information
1: can you please share your social media your website so people can get in contact with you as well
2: yeah of course you can find everything for me at veganrody.com also on Instagram and Facebook all that at uh, at the veganrody and then my current book is epic vegan quick and easy and this one's available everywhere books are sold
1: there you have it ladies and gentlemen this, this is the do something good today podcast brought to you by everybody juice dustin i really appreciate it dude we had a beautiful conversation man i hope this inspires someone to put down the chicken or not every day maybe just a couple of days out the weekend add a little broccoli a little brussels a little butternut squash to your, to your table well,
2: get those vegetables in Najee. thank you so much for having me this is great
1: not a problem